You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Sparta. Sparta, nice little town right off of 9094 uh, near Lacrosse. I've, I think I've stopped for gas in Sparta before, if, if I remember correctly. So I don't think I got to the affiliate. I'll have to do that some other time. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. And, uh... I, I when you said Sparta, my first thought was whatever the high school is there has to be the Spartans, right? And uh, I would Google certainly can, hope so. Google confirms, so <laughs> I'll. Good. So they're not thinking outside the box in Sparta, but th- that's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm good, and uh, I think today we're going to do a uh, a segment we've done what the last couple summers, and which um, a few people have asked us about because we teased it, and then we had, we didn't <laughs> actually do it. Um, so I know there's a few sort of vaguely newsworthy things happening around like the Bucks, uh, Fox Sports Wisconsin TV lineup, and um, I don't know other like random Uncle crap Juice that, sighting. Uncle Juice, yes, OJ Mayo apparently working out with Giannis and getting a shout out. Um, so I don't know. We may turn that into some discussion at some point this week, depending on how bored we are. But um, the annual Frank and Eric Bucks pickup game draft. Um, We've taught, we've teased it, and now we're going to do it. <laughs> it was fun. I forgot. I really should look up the tweet, but someone uh, had joked like, "So is that actually going to happen, or what's going on there?" And it's funny that you know, as I kind of think through this, uh, you know, we've uh, we've teased it for a while, and someone was saying it's as bad as the uh, <laughs> as the Dante Divincenzo tweet. Uh, tease that we did, which I think is fair. Um, the other one I thought of where we've teased something for a long time and then finally actually done it was uh, the podcast we did with Eric Benning uh, about potential coaches. Uh, we teased that one for a couple weeks and did it, so now we're actually going to do the pickup game. Uh, and I guess, Frank, I don't know really how to decide it. Um, we should have put a, like a Twitter poll out that said who gets the first pick and made people choose me or you. Um, but Yeah, I'm going to give it to you. You got it. Okay. If if we, I mean, if we were actually playing schoolyard and two of us somehow were determined to be the captains, we'd probably shoot for it, right? And you're a better basketball player, so you'd you'd <laughs> you'd, you'd hit a shot before I would. So therefore, you would get first pick. Um, and I had also thought, like, you know, with Giannis, like, I was tempted to say, like, well, should this be like a snake draft? But like, I don't I don't know about you guys, but I don't I've never seen a snake draft in a a pickup game. So I, I feel like we got to go just alternating picks, which is good for you considering I just gave you the first pick and we all know who that's going to be. Yes. Uh, with the first pick, I'm going to take John Henson. Uh, no, sorry. Um, <laughs> I will take Giannis Adetokounmpo. That'll be uh, the first pick in the annual 
Lockdown Bucks pickup game. The the annual um, Giannis getting picked first move, which <laughs> deserve really requires no discussion. Um, and probably at this point, the second pick also doesn't deserve much discussion. I'm going to take Chris Middleton. Um, I don't I don't even know if we need to talk about that. I I don't think there's a whole lot of debate um, as to who you would take second. It's um, sort. Of, I was going to say it's sort of interesting that in a year this is sort of changed, right? Like. I think Chris has solidified himself as very clearly the the second best player on the team, and you know, with no Jabari Parker, there isn't a oh, could you make a Jabari centric pickup team or, or anything like that. Um, and I, I mean, Eric Bledsoe is there, but I think Middleton has kind of solidified himself as as who you would take next. Yeah, and I think the Jabari, like the idea of Jabari over Chris, was always more like wishful projection than totally, agree. you know, the reality of of what ever seen on the court um i'm not sure i don't think you know we could ever say that that jabari was had moved ahead of chris um and unfortunately they both had some some major injury worries the last couple of years with chris's torn hamstring jabari's second acl um so i, I don't know I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure like it's like i'm thinking back it's like last year obviously jabari was coming off the the um the torn acl so it was sort of a weird spot to even consider his value but um yeah he's gone and that means that we don't even have to think about like could Jabari eventually be the number two? Right now, there's no real debate, for better or worse, um, that it's Chris. And with that, I think I know who you're going to pick third. But why don't you make it official? Oh man, this one. I'm I'm actually debating on this one internally. I'm not. The war room right now is taking a lot of phone calls. Uh, we're attempting to figure out which way to go. Um, I think I'm going to go Eric Bledsoe. Um. With Bledsoe, obviously, I think you get the best point guard on the roster. Um, you get someone that I don't really think there's anyone else that has even close to similar skills as as Eric Bledsoe. Like just the the speed, quickness, strength with Bledsoe. When you look through the rest of the team, like uh, I think I'm gonna feel like I have the quickest dude on the floor and a guy that can get to the rack. Um, and I think someone that can be very helpful next to Giannis Dedekumbo. Uh, with the fourth pick, I, I think seeing you pick up Bledsoe puts me in the position where, you know, if I'm thinking about like point guards, ball handlers, uh, there's only two guys really left on the roster that you feel comfortable with putting in for, for any type of real minutes. And that's Matt, Malcolm Brogdon and Matthew Del Vadova. And I would really much prefer to have Malcolm Brogdon over Matthew Delvatova. So, um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Brogdon at, at number four, um, entering a, a pretty huge season for him. Um, he started the season pretty well. Um, starting the starters are really good with him. Then Bledsoe comes in, takes the starting spot. Um, and you know, we saw the Bucks really struggle, uh, in those second unit minutes without him and Delvadova, um, in kind of that like February, March timeframe when they were both hurt. And, um, you know, Brogdon, a uh, uh, had a fair share of struggles uh, in that first round series against the Celtics did hit that one huge shot that was I think effectively kind of the game winner that that corner three yep. um, in one of the games but um, for the most part a guy who um, you know obviously I don't think any of us thought of him as a high ceiling guy when he when he won rookie of the year um, but entering the last year of his rookie contract coming into restricted free agency in summer 2019 um, he's a guy who's going to be really interesting to watch just because you know does Mike Budenholzer view him as a more of a shooting guard. Could he start at shooting guard? <laughs> Is he going to be the primary backup to Bledsoe at point guard? 
might they trade Bledsoe and then make Brogdon the starting point guard? I mean, there's there's a lot of different paths that Malcolm Brogdon's season could go. And I think, um, you know, certainly uh, from just a malleability standpoint, he brings a lot to intangibles. Um, you know, his versatility, I think, on both sides of the ball. We saw him actually shoot some threes off the dribble last year, which of hey. course makes you very excited. Um, but he's a guy that certainly, I think, has room to get better. Um, I don't think he's got, uh, again, like a huge ceiling. But um, I think there's st- there sort of views of the world where he could be a you know solid, but even though he's probably below average as a starting point guard. Um, and obviously, uh, for my pickup team, uh, that's I'm going to have to settle for that because with you taking blood, so um, he's he's definitely the second best option left. Yeah, it's it's interesting with Brogdon. Just um, I feel like he's a really helpful player for any pickup team. Um, as I was going through guys that I would really like to have on my squad, I think he's an easy one because you know he he has that malleability across a couple different positions. He can help defend a couple different ways. Uh, he can obviously spread the floor a little bit. He can play make a little bit. Um, I'm. I'm somewhat jealous of your pick uh, because Malcolm Brogdon would be a very helpful player. Um, So the two people I was debating between with the Bledsoe pick um, was Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez was the other guy I was kind of thinking about. And the reason why I was thinking about him even before Bledsoe is um, as you go through this lineup and you go through this roster, I mean, Lopez is uh, significantly better than any other center on the roster as well. Like, I, I think in the same way that when you look at point guard, uh, you see Eric Bledsoe is there, uh, and certainly the best one, and Malcolm Brogdon is also there. I, I think Brogdon's pretty, I don't want to say comparable, but he's at least a, a decent NBA player, a good NBA player. And uh, at times, I think, the rest of the centers in the rotation here uh, have been good centers, and we've all seen them have moments, but overall we haven't seen them really put it together quite like Brooke Lopez. So Brooke Lopez will be my next pick here, and I mean, no one on this roster can cover him. Uh, None of the centers, uh, I think, can handle him. Obviously, he spreads the floor for Giannis as well, um, does a little bit of playmaking, and yeah, I I will go with Brooke Lopez. Yeah, Lopez is obviously a guy that we've talked about being uniquely suited to be a player for for the Bucks overall, and then we've talked about him, you know, presumably being the starter uh, because of his floor stretching ability. Um, we'll see. You know, he's a guy that whose whose ability to stay on the court may be a little binary depending on how opposing teams go. Uh, opposing teams play small at the five. You know, we'll, we'll see mm-hmm. how much the yeah. Bucks are willing to to give up there. Um, obviously, he's a guy also that you could throw the ball to in the post against smaller defenders. And you know, he spent a long time being a guy that you could run offense through in the in the post before he kind of reinvented himself as a modern five um at least offensively so he gives some versatility offensively but defensively obviously um a guy who i think in the right system when teams are not playing small can be really useful uh but we'll see and you know it was interesting because i was thinking about it and i was thinking you're going to get Giannis if i draft lopez high you could potentially just trot out a lineup with Giannis at the five and kind of make brooke lopez irrelevant to some extent. Sure. Um, so it's sort of one of those things where it's like Lopez is a lot better for your pickup team, I think, than mine, just because you have sort of a trump card with Giannis that that I don't have. Yeah. Um, 
looking at who's sort of left with the six pick, um, you know, with Chris and Brogdon, I've got basically, you know, a, a three slash two with Chris who maybe could play some four, but I'd rather not. Um, and then Brogdon is kind of a one, two. So I don't have any kind of real big guys yet. So looking at the roster, um, especially with Giannis in the court, I think my best bet is just to get a guy who's just going to flop all over the place and try to draw <laughs> offensive fouls. Um, so with the six pick, uh, I'm going to take Ursan. He's the only kind of reliable true four on the roster other than Giannis anyway. So yeah. um, probably kind of makes sense that that he would go here. Um, he can stretch the floor, obviously. He can do kind of like scrappy, annoying things like try to take charges and you know, work the boards a little bit. Not not a great rebounder. I think he's a little overrated as a rebounder at this point. But um, but adding to Chris and Malcolm Brogdon, um, I'll slip throw Ursan out there. So basically, I have my one in, in Malcolm. I've got my three in Chris, and I've got a four in Ursan. I'm still at a major deficit in terms of size <laughs> relative to your team, um, but I at least have somebody. And um, I know that there's a number of big guys on this roster uh, at the center spot who I feel comfortable are, are probably going to slide a bit further now that no. you've got your big man. um this one this one is a tough one for me because as i think through it there's some level of uh standing i want to do um and also in a pickup game i don't think you can fall out um which you're picking shabazz muhammad here (laughs) no not not quite um which means i can actually consider sterling brown like if he can't actually fall out like he'll just get physical and handsy and you know everyone will hate him uh but he could actually play and i I can't do it i'm gonna go tony snell i think he's more proven uh you have a little bit more confidence in exactly what you're getting out of him and again just spacing the floor for Giannis like that that is really what it's all about uh I know Bledsoe kind of goes eh, in that direction like he's maybe not the best shooter to spread the floor for Giannis but um I thought he was good enough to do that and then with Tony Snell I think he's a a little bit more consistent 40% three-point shooter again last year even though it did not feel like it I understand Bucks fans um that there was always kind of that frustration with Tony that he wasn't doing quite well enough not shooting quite well enough but um I think he's solid can defend a couple of different positions, uh, can, you know, do some switching, and I think is generally still just a a useful player, even though, you know, there are frustrations with him and how he played last year. Yeah, it's funny, because I thought you probably would go Snell, and then that would give me an excuse to go with the guy that you mentioned standing for and and being tempted to go for in Sterling Brown. So I will actually uh, go that direction with Sterling Brown. Um, Maybe less of a direct need. Um, effectively, I'm picking him to start at the two for my team, but um, I will go with Sterling uh, with the eighth pick. Um, I, you know, I've thought a lot about the question of like, and we've talked a little bit like, who's the guy who benefits most from Mike Budenholzer coming in? And you know, I think obviously a rookie you expect to improve regardless of who the coaching staff is. Sure. Um, but Sterling's a guy who I, I think you know, if I was going to pick like a, I don't know, br- I don't know if breakouts maybe a little bit strong word, but as you mentioned. I, Totally shot 47, 40% from three last year. I mean, you know, it's not like defensively he was bad and needs to improve. I mean, Snell, I think, kind of is what he is. I think the big thing with him is just, you know, more consistency so that, you know, maybe he takes more more shots, again, more looks. I think he can definitely improve under Mike Budenholzer, but Sterling is a guy who I think could make a bit more of a leap. I think certainly he's obviously less of a kind of fully formed entity than, than a guy like Tony. I think Sterling can, you know, actually put it on the deck a little bit, has obviously more ball skill um, than Tony does, more strength. Um, and last year, a guy who 
really struggle to finish around the rim, which we've talked about. Um, and I think that's an area where, you know, if Sterling wants to kind of really take the next step. I think obviously, um, you know, being more consistent from three, he was about average last year, I think around 35% from three. But um, certainly if he can improve a three-point shooter and also become a better finisher, which I think given his body type and just, you know, shot selection and just getting smarter, I think that can certainly happen. Um, and then I think defensively, you know, he really brings kind of more of that um, kind of junkyard dog mentality um, that I don't, I don't know – Bucks have many other guys like that um, who bring it to yeah. quite the extent that he does. I mean, maybe Delhi, you could say, does it the way he does. Um, you know, Snell's a much more kind of say, like, kind of like controlled defender. Yep, doesn't have maybe the same nastiness, aggressive streak as Sterling, but um, but Sterling's definitely a guy I think could have a nice year. Um, a guy that you know, if I was going to pick, like benefit from um, from Mike Budenholzer. You know, obviously our, our thought is always to think about wings, just because university with with wing players um so yeah sterling might be a decent shot there and um as i fill out my roster i feel pretty solid about him at at eight number eight even though obviously last year certainly wasn't a guy who you know i would have said had the eight spot on lockdown in the rotation by any stretch but certainly a guy i think that has the opportunity to to and, and make it a more major role this year yeah i i'm i gotta say that yeah as i've kind of thought through a bucks rotation in my head like i end up penciling him in for you know some i don't want to say significant minutes but certainly you know 15 or so a night and then in my head i'm like man we haven't seen that (laughs) we haven't seen him be a part of a rotation yet um and you know you do have to sort of think through like oh well you know Budenholzer is obviously a Dante DiVincenzo fan. Uh, so how does he fit in there? Like, how, do, how does this all work? But yeah, I just keep coming back to thinking Sterling Brown is going to have a much better year and, and find a, a consistent role. And uh, again, that may not mean he ever starts a game. That may not mean he ever puts up 20 in a game. But I, I do think, you know, there there's a, there's opportunity there for him, and it'll be really interesting to see if he's able to capitalize on it, and you know, if he's going to be given chances to capitalize on it, uh, because I do think there is some some opportunity there for him. All right, this next pick is I gotta say pretty difficult uh, because I already have Brook Lopez, and I know that you sort of kind of still need uh, a center if you actually quote unquote need centers uh, because you know maybe you don't in a pickup game Uh, so part of me wants to go there but why on earth would I have two centers Um, it just doesn't make any sense and then that means I do have to go to uh, you know wings or uh, guards and try to figure out if there's there's someone I like there and I think I'm going to go with Matthew Delvadova. Um, I will go Delhi with the ninth pick of this draft. Uh, gives me another guard. Gives me another guy that can somewhat create in a pinch. Um, and just a guy that can be a pest. You talked about Sterling Brown having a guy that can go out and defend. Um, you know, having Delhi harass Malcolm Brogdon all over the floor doesn't sound like the worst thing or harass Sterling Brown all over the floor that doesn't sound like the worst thing either so um, I will go with Matthew Delvadova as the ninth pick in our draft
Yeah, and this sort of becomes tough because nobody really jumps out as being particularly interesting. Um, and especially as our rosters get filled out, like our needs kind of you know, recede back. I mean, I have one very obvious need on my roster. I've got, you know, Brogdon, Sterling, Chris, Ilyasova as my one through four. So obviously I, I need to get a center at some point, especially with you having Brooke um, and to a lesser extent Giannis. Um so looking at the roster, I mean, guys, I'm thinking about, I mean, I'm kind of partially torn with trying to add some more depth on the wing. Um, but really, at this point, that's Dante DiVincenzo or Pat Connaughton, um, neither of whom I really think kind of matter at, at this point particularly much. Um, and at this point, like, you know, I'm like, all right, whatever. If you pick one, I can just take the other. And I, I don't feel necessarily bad about that. Um, and again, I think to be clear, we're obviously doing this um, literally as a pickup game. Like, you know, we just want to win a game tomorrow, right? We're not trying to <laughs> yep. pick guys based on contracts or long-term potential, any of that. We're just literally just picking guys for, for a game tomorrow. Um, so I, I think I'd probably say, all right, fine, I'll pick a center. Um, and as I look at the centers, um, I mean, the guys that I'm, I'm thinking about, John Henson, Tyler Zeller, and also Christian Wood, um, you know, I think about like kind of how they f- would would fit into this um, this lineup uh, in terms of ma- mis- you know matching up with what you've got. I think if I had Giannis, I'd probably maybe think longer about Zeller, um, just because I think Giannis's defense um, can you know probably help the fact that Zeller's not as good of a rim protector as um, Henson. Um, also, I think Zeller and Giannis have a nice combination just in terms of chemistry between one another offensively. Okay. Um, but absent that, knowing that you've got Lopez, who's enormous, and Giannis, who can obviously attack the rim, um, I, oh God. I guess I feel like I need a little bit more of a proven article, rim protector, kind of standard center, which feels very boring. Um, I don't think Thon is good enough to be really in this conversation at this point. Um, I think Thon's kind of one of these X-factor guys. I'm, I'm just not high enough on him at this point. So it feels very defeatist and sad to pick john henson um with the the 10th overall pick uh with basically all the other centers still on the board sure um but uh i'll i'll go john henson i'll be boring um i'll give myself uh, at least a starting lineup here so you know that that at least seems semi-coherent and uh i guess we'll go from there Man, with you doing that, I really don't know where to go because I got to say I don't love the thought of having two centers uh, at this point. Like, you know, maybe if I grab one more in the end, uh, that can end up being totally fine. But, you know, if I grab a guy like Zeller, then, you know, there is some permutation of your team likely where you could attempt to play my centers off the floor uh with lopez and zeller both being a little bit on the slower side um and i guess i'm now to a point where i'm sort of thinking about uh you know some of the training camp guys and you brought them up i'm gonna take them i will take christian wood damn it damn you and uh, with that I obviously have Giannis in the lineup as my power forward. Christian Wood would kind of be the other one. Uh, another guy that can kind of create for himself, uh, has some good strength, has some athleticism. Um, and I feel like I don't really necessarily have to worry uh, a ton about, um, you know, some of his shortcomings in a pickup setting. Uh, I might be able to get away with having him around a little bit um, and play some minutes. So I will go with Christian Wood as the 11th pick in this draft which means we now have uh the last two first round picks of the Milwaukee Bucks still on the board uh 
no interest <laughs> in either of those guys. And instead, we just decided uh, to draft. And again, it sounded from your damn it, um, as though you also would have had interest in Christian Wood before either of those guys, which does not speak well um, of what those two guys uh, have shown to this point. Yeah, I think Wood would have been interesting on my team just because I've got Urson and Henson as my two bigs. And so I don't have a lot of like athleticism run the court type type dimension you know i don't have really have that dimension um at the the four or five spot right now so i think wood would have been kind of a fun uh flyer to take in the late rounds with with that on my mind um i think looking at the rest so i mean i think just to recap so basically we have uh thon maker dj wilson tyler zeller dante divincenzo pat Connaughton, and shabazz mohammed um i i guess jordan barnett would also be on this list although i i don't have him i don't have any of the guys who at least I don't think I have a legitimate chance at a roster spot listed on, on my little list here, but um, or Travis Trice, for that matter. Sure. Um, so I feel like I'm picking from from those guys. Um, and again, it sort of these things like I feel like I need another wing, um, but by the same token, I also feel like, you know, again, um, you could just take whoever's left over of, of DiVincenzo and Connaughton, um, and that would probably be fine. Um, I guess I'll, I'll, since I was so harsh on the DiVincenzo, pick um i guess i'll i'll do him a solid i'll take him at the 12 spot um just to give myself a little more depth um on the wing um again i don't really know what to expect of him as a rookie i'm not sure he's even going to be as good as pat Connaughton, who at least has a couple years of nba experience under his belt but um i'll go dante uh, at the 12 spot and uh give myself a little bit more depth on the wing <sighs> so yeah we we are down to Man, I don't even know where I want to go here. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Thonmaker, uh, who has not been drafted yet. And again, I don't know what Thonmaker will be this upcoming season. I think you talked about who could be breakout candidates uh, under uh, under Mike Boonholzer. And when I think, I mean, I've had a number of people I'll say when I bring that up on Twitter, I talk about it, and a lot of people will say, like, why couldn't Thon be it? And it's like, I guess, yeah. I mean, Thon, Thon is cer- certainly has the possibility to be a breakout candidate because he hasn't been good <laughs> to this point, if that makes any sense. Like, you can't be a breakout candidate if you're, you know, you're already very good and you already have found your role. So, you know, maybe Thon Maker can do that this year. Uh, Pickup game. I would like him to play with Giannis because I feel like Giannis gets the most out of Thon um, and can in some ways encourage him. And, uh, you know, maybe they can, if Brooke Lopez comes off, him and Giannis can start switching a bunch of stuff and make everything really difficult on your team who, you know, with Middleton and Brogdon and... I guess Sterling Brown is your major creators. I think that could be a, a real problem for them having to go up against all that length and all that length that can switch. Yeah, and I think with my pick, I'll just go with the the best NBA player still on the board. So we've got DJ Wilson, Tyler Zeller, Pat Connaughton, and Shabazz Muhammad. Only one of those guys has ever really been a vaguely productive, useful NBA player. Uh, and we saw it at times last year. Uh, late in the season, that was Tyler Zeller. So I'll I'll go with Zeller as my backup, uh, reuniting the Henson Zeller combination uh, from UNC. Uh, I do not foresee them playing at all together in my uh, pickup team lineup. Um, but I'll go with Tyler Zeller. I was a little tempted to pick 
uh, Connaughton here just to make life a little harder on you just by taking away some of the wing depth um, and daring you to take another big guy. Um, but I, I don't know. I won't be that tactical about it. Um, I'll just take the guy who I think is uh, the better player left and, and lead to pick from, from the leftovers. Yeah, and uh, I mean... When I look at my roster, it is much larger than I would have thought it would be um, because I have Giannis, who's four slash five, Brooke Lopez, who's very clearly a five, Thon, who's has to be a five to be useful, and then Christian Wood, who's I'm not sure uh, four or five, something like that. And like my guard, like I have some guards, but you know it, that depth is a little bit further down. Um, I will take Pat Connaughton and leave DJ Wilson for you. Um, well, I actually will not take DJ Wilson. <laughs> so the only thing I really had in my mind coming into this draft was that I was not going to pick DJ Wilson. Um, so I think I'll pick, um, so I guess on the, on the board, we've got Shabazz Muhammad and Jordan Barnett. Um, I, it's weird, but I said like, oh, I wasn't actually considering Jordan Barnett, but I guess, um, I would consider it cause he can actually stretch the floor and he seemed actually like like a pretty decent player um, yeah. in, in summer league. Like I was like, well, this guy seems like he could be like a random dude um, on, on a team. Um, so I, I think, and, and we, by the way, we did, we haven't talked at all about the two, the two way guys, Trevon Duvall um, and Jalen Morris. So I suppose they could also be in the mix. Sure. Um, but uh, if I'm just kind of leaving it to guys who we think actually have a chance at the roster who will be considered, um, I suppose I'll go Shabazz Muhammad Um I'm praying that Shabazz is much more the tiny sample Shabazz we saw last year <laughs> than the much larger Shabazz sample size that we saw uh, in his four, what was it, four years, uh, pre or four and a half years previous to that yeah. um, in Minnesota, as we've talked about. Um, he's a guy who has really not helped teams win basketball games at all. Um, but he does have some talent. Uh, and, you know, again, the Bucks are kind of a weird roster because they really don't have, like, you know, guys who are more of those like kind of combo wing kind of, and I know we debated whether Shabazz was more of a wing, like a two, three, like a three, two wing or mm -hmm. a three, four combo forward. Um, but I'll give myself Shabazz, give myself a little bit more scoring punch. Um, again, I, I, I don't know who Shabazz is going to guard. Um, maybe Tony Snell uh, from your team. From your team. Yeah. <laughs> They're out there together because he can just stand in the corner while Tony just stands there. Um, so maybe defensively he will be more of a, of a two. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Shabazz might, uh, might have a, uh, at least a chance. He'll have a little spurt where he'll just start trying to pound the ball against uh against uh you know his his wing defenders and throw up little lefty runners and, and that kind of crap so uh so yeah i'll pick shabazz with i guess what was that the 14th pick that i just took him with that um, was okay um i was gonna give actually, you no no that was the 16th pick we picked one two three yep you're right yeah so uh are, are you going to pick dj wilson with the 17th pick or are you going to uh, call up a two-way guy <laughs> or, or oh, Jordan I, Barnett or Travis Dice over DJ Wilson. I was going to say, I thought we were good. You know, we got 16 players deep. I don't know if we need any more for a pickup team. But, um, yeah, if we're going to keep going, I'll take DJ Wilson. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know what he is. Uh, I don't know uh, that he's going to ever be on the floor for my team. Um, and if... I'm actually getting to coach the team. He isn't. Um, but yeah, I'll take DJ Wilson. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. Cause it's like looking at my roster, I really have like one point guard, Malcolm Brogdon, who's not even like really a quote unquote pure point guard. So, I mean, if we kept going like hell, I might have to take Travis Trice here. Yeah. Um, just because it gives me like 
a, a more quote unquote normal player who if uh, if for some reason you were going into a, a deep scrimmage uh, where you actually played, you know, a lot of minutes and you needed a, a backup um, and you didn't trust, you know, I mean, DiVincenzo doesn't strike me as like a guy who's ever going to play point guard minutes uh, in the actual NBA. You have Chris who can obviously create a little bit. Um, Sterling can create maybe a little bit at times. Um, but yeah, that's the crazy part is just because of the weird construction of the camp roster. Like I might actually have to take Travis Trice um, with uh, with the 18th pick over um, Jordan Barnett, Trevon Duvall, um, and uh, uh, Jalen Morris. I guess you could say you could go for Duvall over Travis Trice. Um, although it's kind of one of these things, right? Like if I was just trying to win a game, I would trust Travis Trice, who's like played professionally overseas the last few years, is a couple summer leagues under his belt. Yeah. I'd trust a guy like that more in this sort of setting than a guy like Duvall, even though I think it's obvious Duvall has more physical tools, obviously a much higher pedigree as a former McDonald's All-American. You, you know, if you were betting long-term, there's a reason why Duvall has a two-way and Trice probably will not be in the NBA this year, obviously. Yep. Um, but just if we were trying to play a game tomorrow, I might trust Trice. Um, and obviously he, he actually looked pretty solid playing pretty big minutes for the Bucks summer league team um, as well. So, um, so, so okay, somehow this, this draft has carried on long enough for me to pick Travis Trice uh, with the 18th pick. <laughs> All right. I think I'm going to call it. I, I feel confident that we have gone in depth enough in our pickup game. Um, I guess as I'm kind of ref- reflecting on this and and thinking a lot about it, um, it's interesting and again maybe depressing is the more uh, correct term that you know you look through where we picked the Bucks last three first rounders uh, and we kind of got forced into taking all of them, yeah. right? Like, like none of the neither you or I were really trying to uh, go out of our way to get Thawmaker, uh, to get DJ Wilson, to get Dante DiVincenzo. And I mean, that's, that's concerning. Uh, that's a big thing. And then I think the other thing is you look at uh, <laughs> your second pick, Malcolm Brogdon, rookie contract. Uh, you look at my third pick, Brooke Lopez on uh, a small contract. Uh, you look at even, even Ursa Silva, someone who we think is, you know, somewhat overpaid. That's your third pick. Sterling Brown is your fourth pick. Uh, the bucks middling contracts, uh, you know, don't float to the top. Uh, Tony Snell was my fourth pick. Matthew Dalva, my fifth pick. John Henson was your fifth pick. Uh, those dudes make thirty million dollars over over thirty million dollars combined, or about thirty million dollars combined. Uh, that's that's not great. <laughs> um, and again, it's just you you can kind of see what those contracts can kind of do, and you can see what it what it means to wait out free agency and and kind of take advantage of good players still being available like that Brooke Lopez deals a steal and he's someone that I thought about for the third pick of the draft even though I ended up taking him fifth yeah I mean I think um well let me ask you this so if these teams actually lined up um you obviously have Giannis and, and that's probably the ultimate trump card um these teams play a seven game series of actual basketball games what do you think the end result is if you had to had to guess I'm sweeping you Oh, sweeping me? I think so. I'm I'm just as I think about what I can do defensively, um and it also speaks to kind of 
Chris's limitations. Like Chris is obviously uh, both you and I think quite a bit of Chris's game, but you know, if I can put Giannis on Chris in crunch, like crunch time moments, I think I can, I can do some damage. Or even if I, you know, throw Tony Snell on him and have Giannis helping on the backside, like uh, I think that that could do some pretty serious damage. And then, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, not quite uh, the guy off the dribble that a guy like Eric Bledsoe is. So yeah, I, I think, I think I'm sweeping you. I, I think it's actually an interesting question. Like I, I, I probably would not want to put Giannis on Chris just because it puts Giannis so far from the basket. Um, and I think, you know, in those scenarios, I mean, you'd probably just try to get pick and rolls to put somebody other than Giannis um, on him. And, sure. and I don't know, see kind of what what happens from there. Um, but, yeah, it kind of creates some some interesting dynamics. I mean, you know, fundamentally, obviously, my team doesn't really have anybody that's that's stopping Giannis. But, you know, that just means we're pretty much like every other team in the league. <laughs> um, it, it was interesting. I was just playing around. So um, Bledsoe, Della Vadova, Snell, Giannis uh, on cleaning the glass according to them, only played seven possessions together last year. So we can't look point to anything um, really kind of obvious there. But if I look at Bledsoe, Snell, and Giannis um, at the one, two, and four spots, um, they played 1,600 minute, uh, possessions together and were a plus 7.4. That's 89th percentile. 114 points per 100 scored, 106 um, points per 100 allowed. So um, you've got kind of the the start of, you know, obviously – we that Brooke Lopez did not play play with them last year, yeah. so I can't really look at that. Um, but that's actually a really um, a really good starting point, certainly for for any lineup. And I'm just trying to figure out uh, run some some quick math here to see what if, uh, if my uh, lineup uh, my kind of main lineup would uh, had any real um, sample size uh, against you. Obviously, Urson um, didn't play, but uh, but yeah, I think I would take one or two games off you just because I don't know. I, I think you know again like. Giannis is great. Um, I think certainly if uh, if I had flamethrower human flame Chris Middleton <laughs> from last year's first round playoff series, sure. um, that would probably give me a, a much better chance of uh, of being competitive. Um, but yeah, I agree. I certainly would not uh, expect my team to be competitive unless Jan or unless Ursan just got on fire taking charges from Giannis and and was able to kind of just get up, Giannis yeah, into foul sure. trouble. Exactly. That might be the only scenario where um, where you kind of saw that. But um, I'm looking so just running some quick lineup. So. Um, Brogdon, Middleton, Henson played 337 minutes together um, on the court. Uh, but keep in mind, a lot of these had Giannis in them, so kind of big uh, red flag there because sure. obviously he's not going to have him uh, with you. But um, they were plus 4.2, 111 scored, uh, 106 allowed. Um, and actually, let me let me take Giannis off the court just because he wouldn't have him and just see how often they played. I'm guessing those lineups are going to look a lot less favorable without Giannis. Um, and... Oh, actually, they played 11 possessions together, Eric. Ooh. They were plus 40 points per 100. Ooh. Boom. Okay, yeah, I'm getting swept. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known that Brogdon, uh, Middleton, Henson trio was going to kill me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but uh, clearly small sample theater stuff uh, aside, um, tough to, to kind of look. And uh, there actually weren't any lineups last year in which Malcolm Brogdon, Sterling Brown, Chris Middleton, and John Henson played together. So my, my lineup is truly uncharted waters, even though those four were uh, obviously on the box, the rotation minutes together for a fair bit. Anyway, um, I think that's probably I think the only thing um, probably worth mentioning 
Um, we, we said on the, the Christian Wood podcast last week, we mentioned the affiliate rule that by signing Wood, uh, if he was released and played in the G League, he would go to the herd. And then we were DMing with uh, our friend Charlie Saturday, um, who apparently did some research. And apparently, for some stupid reason, he actually would not um, default to the herd because he was a player in the G League last year. So it seems like from our understanding, at least, that um, he would default back to, who was he? I forget who he was, who he was with last year. Delaware, but maybe? Delaware, yes. Yeah. So basically, which to me makes a little sense, but there's sort of the returning player rule and there's the affiliate player rule. Apparently, the returning player rule takes precedence, at least according to Charlie's research, which seems strange to me because I was like, you would think that you would want to help the team that actually went and gave him a chance in training camp over a team that just, you know, the G League team had him last year, but the parent club didn't actually show interest in giving the guy a chance to, to play. Um, so I don't know exactly why that would be the case. Um, Cause again, I feel like you'd want to be putting incentives out there for teams to sign guys to camp deals at least rather than, you know, incentivize teams to just, you know, keep guys um, where they are, where they're not getting chances to, to get a, a call up to the parent club. So that's a bit weird, but obviously um, if the bucks were to sign him to a two way, you know, get rid of one of their two ways, sign him to a two way, which, I guess is is possible um, if he doesn't think he can get uh, 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 a, a full NBA contract, which probably would be hard at the end of camp. At the um, then obviously that would be, or you know the herd could trade for his rights or whatever. Um, so there's a few different ways that obviously Wood could still end up with the Wisconsin herd, but um, maybe a little bit less likely than uh, than we originally thought. Yeah, and. Uh- as I talked to some other people as well, it, it does. I can confirm what you just said that you know they would not have his rights, um, and I, I, it's it's a weird rule. <laughs> um, and yeah, you would think there should be some sort of incentive for you know teams trying to get those guys into a training camp and give them a chance at a roster. But I suppose the other side of it would be well, teams will just you know roster guys and know that they're not going to give them a training camp deal just to get their rights and then maybe that other team feels like like they got screwed over or something so yeah it'll it'll be interesting to see and i mean i'm curious to see what they do with their two-way guys uh they've shuffled a bunch of them in and out and you know when you think of trayvon duvall you think of that kind of high upside lottery ticket that you know, I think a lot of people are hoping for with two-way deals. Uh, and then when you see Jalen Morris, you see um, someone that they know, right? Like someone that the the Boonholzer staff knows and trusts. And I don't know how much upside he has. And uh, I mean, at least I would be thinking, hey, maybe you can bring in Christian Wood instead of him because maybe Christian Wood is another one of those high upside guys. It'll just be uh, up to them to kind of what they prefer and what they're looking for with those spots. So that was our pickup game. Uh, tweet Should us. we recap? Should we recap sure. our teams real quick one? So, so the uh, Eric names, um, Giannis Dedekumbo, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez, Tony Snell, Matthew Delvadova, Christian Wood, Thon Maker, Pat Connaughton, and DJ Wilson. The uh, Frank Maddens, Chris Middleton, Malcolm Brogdon, Ursula Yasova, Sterling Brown, John Henson, Dante DiVincenzo, Tyler Zeller, Shabazz Muhammad, and Travis Trice. Um, by the way, I'm already having second guesses as to whether I should have picked Jalen Morris over Shabazz Muhammad, but um, whatever. You know, um, if you want to come at us in the uh, in our mentions, you know, it's August, so pretty much anything's in play. So uh, <laughs> let us know where we got it wrong and right, um, and um, let let us know if uh, if I'd be able to take more than zero games off of. Uh, Eric's team in a seven seven game playoff series, <laughs> and uh, 
uh, yeah, uh, this this just felt like a very August pod, but that's okay. Time to time to talk about random things. Sure. Uh, so that is going to be it for us for today. For Frank Man, I'm Eric. Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>